Today on Better Health, I'm speaking with Brittany Moses, who is passionate about seeing this generation live wholeheartedly with purpose. While studying psychology and research assisting at UCLA, she helps raise mental health awareness to reduce stigma and assist with helpful information at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health while having some fun along the way. This interview with Brittany was such a blast, and I loved learning more about mental health and why it is so important. So stay tuned because you're not going to want to miss this. You're listening to the Better Health Podcast, a platform dedicated to coaching women in areas of health, lifestyle, and legacy by speaking with leading health and wealth experts and with the goal to inspire women to thrive in their lives today and in the future. Now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to Better Health with April. On today's show, I am speaking with Brittany Moses, who is studying psychology, and she's very passionate about mental health and getting the word out there and speaking all on the topic, which is something I really want to learn more about. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. So welcome, Brittany. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I can't wait for our conversation. Um, I know we've gotten to catch up a little bit, so it's going to be fun. It's going to be super great. Thank you. So first off, I'm just going to start off with a fun question. Where did you grow up and what was your childhood and family like in regards to health and maybe mental health? Oh gosh, that's a great question. So I grew up in inner city LA. I'm a total like city girl. Um, and, um, And yet my family is just very... I think just a very, your modern American family, you know, we did eat fast food. I feel like we were kind of that generation and McDonald's was huge and you know, those golden arcs. So mm-hmm. definitely grew up on the happy meal. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, but my, my family did also a lot of home cooked meals at, at home. Um, I can't, I can't say health was talked about a ton, mm-hmm. uh, you know? Um, so yeah. So growing up, I just, you know, kind of ate what my family ate. And now being older, I've, lear- I've learned a lot about health <laughs> and about mental health. And so I've been like kind of re- reversing that cycle and actually talking to my parents more about it, which has been really cool because mm-hmm. now we're all kind of like, okay, how can we change these things, especially even as they're getting older? Um, and as far as mental health, you know, mental health wasn't really talked about a lot. I definitely had very empathetic parents, a very tuned in dad um, to my emotions. I had a dad who showed his emotions, which I'm always really grateful for because yeah. I always felt like it made me, it was very normalizing to me mm. um, that emotions are a healthy human thing. Um, awesome. But we didn't talk about it a lot. And that's actually mm. kind of cultural too within subculture. Mm. A lot of times in the black community, mental health isn't talked about a lot. Um, people, especially with women, we have something called the superwoman schema, which is mm-hmm. this idea that, you know, we just keep going and we do, and maybe we, put a lot of our value in our productivity, but we don't talk about how it's maybe damaging us on the inside, the chronic stress, um, the appropriateness of pausing. Uh, So I just kind of saw the women in my life Mm. just kind of work themselves into the ground and carry a lot of stressors. And I actually found out later on that my grandmother's been on anxiety medication. My mom's mm-hmm. been on anxiety medication, has experienced panic attacks. Um, and that's anxiety had ran yeah. through the women in my family. And that was something that was never talked about mm-hmm. growing up uh, until I got older. And then it was like, 
how come we don't talk about this stuff? And how come we don't talk about our, you know, chronic level of being workaholics mm. and why we feel the need to work ourselves into the ground and what is our philosophy mm. around rest and work and mental health and taking care of ourselves? It just wasn't much of a conversation. And I mm. feel like um, that's shifting. Um, I think Definitely. even in this generation as a whole, I think we've all, we all saw our parents work For themselves sure. into the ground and we're like, okay, we, we need to get a rhythm of pause and rest. Mental health is actually something we need to think about. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. yeah. I, wow. I can relate so much to that where I am very much the type to, you know, push my emotions off to the side and just work through it. And, you know, I don't want to show my emotions because it'll get in the way of what I got to get done or it'll show weakness. And, and then I like, think about anxiety too, where it's like, wow, you're really speaking to me. And it's so many others that relate to it also. And I think this is a super important topic to be continuing yeah. to talk about. Isn't mm -hmm. that wild? Like, I love what you said about, I feel like my emotions get in the way because I think that is yes. how we see emotions. Like mm -hmm. if I get sad, it's just going to bring me down from what I need to do. Or if I get anxiety, it's just going to hold me back from this. And mm -hmm. so we see emotions as like this, really this negative thing or this mm -hmm. barrier when yeah. really they're indicators. And as most of us know, or have come to learn is that if we don't address those, if we don't give them a ton, enough attention to deal with them, it adds up and it leads mm -hmm. to even more problems in the end, mm -hmm. you know, whether wow. it be a mental breakdown or a panic attack or a mm -hmm. depression, because we didn't address those emotions for so long, um, mm -hmm. that our body literally stores it. And so, um, crazy, so it's, it's wild part. and even learning about the connection between health and mental health, about how chronic stress can break down the immune system, you know, mm. and about how trauma can rewire the brain and body and unaddressed trauma can come out in these symptoms of panic mm -hmm. and PTSD, like all of these things. It's wild when you think about how you're, if you don't deal with it, if you don't face those emotions, mm -hmm. your body will store it. And it mm. can affect your health and it can catch up with you. And wow. so I think when we talk about mental health, something that people miss is the health connection, the physical mm. health connection, because they mm -hmm. are very integrated. Totally, totally. Wow. It is such a cascading effect. And that is absolutely crazy. Like you were saying that it just builds up over time and results in, you know, then a panic attack all as it comes about where, oh, I never struggle with anxiety. Why the heck am I having this attack? Well, okay, what has, you know, led up to it now, you know, and what have you pushed off to the side? So I would love to know more about like what got you into the mental health sphere and why are you talking about and passionate about it? Yeah, I think it's two sides of it. Mm -hmm. I think one side is just my own experience with mental health challenges. And the other side is me seeing and experiencing the mental health crisis in the church. Mm -hmm. So for me, I struggled, uh, you know, as a teenager, mostly with, you know, um, there was a period of my life where I struggled with self-harm. It was really mm -hmm. momentary, it was more episodic. Um, mm -hmm. I was just going through a tough period at home and following my parents' divorce. So I had that. And then as I got older, I was struggling a lot with anxiety. So um, when I was young, well, I guess I should backtrack. I had my son at 18 years old. <laughs> He's mm -hmm. the best part of my life. Um, but I was, I became a young mom and I married his dad very young, just thinking it was the next thing to do. 
you know, like that's, we should probably just do this next step, right? Without even thinking through, like if it even is a good step or the right (laughs) step or a fitting step. And um, just a lot of things went wrong with that. Um, and that whole relationship kind of hit the fan. I found mm-hmm. myself a single, a young single mom, mm-hmm. and I ended up struggling really deeply with anxiety um, mm-hmm. and some some bouts of depression, but mostly with anxiety. Seeing my life mm-hmm. kind of unravel and feeling a lot out of control about a lot of things, um, my past marriage and having to mm-hmm. move back home and all these things, I felt so out of control that I went into this mode of trying to control everything in my life, right? And so we know that the more you try to control things, the more (laughs) you try to control life, the more those things control you and it actually creates more anxiety. And so I was living in a constant state of anxiety. Um, Also throughout that relationship, there were a lot of self-destructive behaviors that were going Mm. on that kept affecting our lives. And, um, and so I was always on edge about like mm. what was going to happen next. Mm. So I was struggling deeply with anxiety to the point that I did end up seeing someone about it and mm. going to a therapist and talking about it. And, you know, I had lost a lot of weight. I wasn't eating. I wasn't mm. sleeping. I was just completely unhealthy. Again, those physical mm. symptoms coming out yeah. um, through anxiety. It's psychosomatic, right? Um, and so eventually I did get to the other side. Mm. I did start, you know, I saw therapists. I started making lifestyle changes, started eating differently, started getting back into you know, exercise and movement, moving my body and getting around mm-hmm. community again. So all of these different factors that just help me rebuild my foundation. Um, but that was my side of things. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I was also serving in the church for years. Mm-hmm. I was serving with youth and young adult in different church plants. Mm-hmm. And this was in my early twenties as well. And one okay. of the things that I kept seeing time and time again, were people with, uh, psychological distress and mental health mm. crises. A lot of them were dealing with suicidal ideation, with mm. trauma that just kept returning, no matter how much you, you know, sat with them, prayed with them, read through scriptures with them or whatever it is to help keep them mm. grounded. A lot of these issues were reoccurring, coming out in behavioral issues mm. um, that was even creating, I think, division in some areas yeah. with relationships, just a lot of messiness <laughs> that yeah, happens with totally. human beings. It just happens wherever you right. go. We're, we're imperfect. But, yeah, exactly. But you know, in the, in the church, we're a supportive community. So sometimes those things can come out and I was serving and saw a lot of that and yeah. just had a lot of light bulb moments realizing, man, like we don't really have a full understanding of the human psyche and mental health mm-hmm. and what's causing these things or mm-hmm. what to practically help these things. Um, so I would go to the library and I'm such a reader. I always have been. I remember (laughs) reading books after books just about mental health and about the different dynamics and about Mm -hmm. the brain. And eventually that led me to go back to school, um, Mm -hmm. to really, really study it. So that's led me to today where I'm studying at UCLA and doing research assisting at UCLA Simmel Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior. And so that's just been awesome. Um, wow. And I just, it's, I guess as long as there are human beings, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, you're always going to be encountering this stuff, right? Um, You're always going to be encountering mental health dynamics and people's past and 
-hmm. what we've been through and all of our experiences that we carry up to this day, it's everywhere. And so I think I'm just really interested in people and what Mm -hmm. makes them who they are and what helps them be most of them, most of themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So all of that. How they can live the most intentional life. And you you have to... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like we were put on this earth for a reason and we have a purpose and it's whether or not we take the next steps to really serve and develop that purpose. And how do you know that you have that if you don't take those steps and um, to heal yourself? Because if you're not healthy yourself, how are you supposed to help others that may not be healthy as well? And I love how you like tapped into the fact that, you know, taking the steps to heal yourself didn't just come with just therapy, but you also started exercising and eating and how it's a holistic approach to it. Um, and then also like I've done youth group and helped lead young adults at my church. So it was cool to hear that aspect and oh my goodness, I can relate where there's so much like, right. There's so much hurt with like mental health and just people's lives and what they're going through. That is crazy. And so like listening about your life and all, I would love to little, know a little bit more about like how faith tied into it and your identity. I can imagine like I, I've had like where there's bouts of like anxiety and just who am I? Like what's my identity actually? And I'd love to know more about that. Wow. Yes. So definitely leading out from being in the church and seeing these mental health crises, which now makes a lot of sense because research has shown for over 20 years that when a person's in psychological distress, they'll often go to their faith community or clergy or house of worship before Mm -hmm. they ever step foot to a mental health professional. So you realize that our faith communities are really on the front lines of this, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I was just like, okay, like not only am I planted here, I'm a believer and Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I've read the Bible front to back. I don't know everything. I can't quote everything, but I have a solid foundation of scripture. Um, and I have this solid foundation of psychology and Mm -hmm. mental health. And I really want to empower the church and faith communities with this information, mm-hmm. knowing that this is a crisis in the church, that mental health challenges mm-hmm. are happening. Um, and that a lot of us may be lacking the resources or full understanding, which is, which is like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's fine because we should work on that. But at the same time, it's understandable, I guess I should say, mm-hmm. because, you know, every, everybody has their role, you know, and I think that right. sometimes we expect pastors to be the expert of all things and yeah. that's just not true or fair. <laughs> yeah, um, right. so to expect them to be a mental health expert and a pastor <laughs> and a visionary and a organizational <laughs> leader, like all these things, like it's just not fair. And, right. um, you have people who are specialized in these areas of mental health who have studied so mm. much, even now with me, it's like studying so much about the mm. brain, about neuroscience, about the body, about the nervous system, but also about the Mm -hmm. psyche and cultural impacts, all these things you study specialize Mm -hmm. specifically for mental health. So I really wanted to bridge those worlds, I think on the faith side of things. And it was really cool because I would go into some of my psych courses and see where scripture aligns with certain things, you know, like when scripture says, you know, to, uh, you know, renew your mind, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you hear about certain therapies that are all about replacing certain thoughts with other Mm -hmm. ones practically and learning to practice that to renew your mind and your automatic Mm -hmm. thought patterns. Like Mm -hmm. all of that is so cool to me, like the crossover. Um, 
So that's kind of the faith side. And obviously like being a believer, that's just naturally the lens that I'm going to kind of see things Mm -hmm. through. So I see the overlaps and it excites Mm me. Um, So that's the faith side. And then you were saying, sorry, you were saying with identity. Yeah. With identity. Oh my gosh. yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really hard because I've always been the like helper friend. I've always mm-hmm. been the friend or the person that people go to. And I've mm-hmm. always been like, you know, the one that kind of is a listening ear and yep. all of that. And so you then- push yourself off to the side to help and serve right, others. Yep. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and many times I'm still, I'm still that, you know, and right. that's okay you know, Mm -hmm. but then you're the one having the mental health crisis or you're the Mm -hmm. one that's struggling or you're the one that's stuck in hitting rock bottom Mm -hmm. and you need somewhere to turn. And Mm -hmm. I think that I had wrapped my identity so much in being the helper Mm -hmm. or in so much in being the doer for other people. And again, women do this a lot (laughs) where we base (laughs) our worth on who we are to other people, (laughs) who we are for other people. We Mm -hmm. just tend to do it. And sometimes I really feel like having that breakdown in my life was the best thing that happened to me because it taught me that my worth is not in my doing and who I am to others, but it's in my being and mm-hmm. that I can rest and that I can heal and that I could take space to recover. And all of that mm-hmm. is still very purposeful in the long mm-hmm. run. So right. I had to, I did have to detach my identity from, you know, just who I am when I'm well, yeah. you know? Um, but who am I when I am unwell? Who am I mm-hmm. when I'm feeling anxiety or I'm feeling depressed and am I letting that define or distort Mm. who I am? No, even if I am going through these things, I'm still called. I'm still worthy. I'm still purposed. Mm. I still belong. I I had to practice understanding that, you know, Mm. God's faithfulness, my faith, my identity is not based on my ups and my downs, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah, definitely. Do that. I really struggled with shame, you know, after, I mean, just being a Christian who was divorced and now a single mom. And I was the only one who really looked like me sometimes in church. I didn't see a lot of (laughs) other single mom dynamics. Everyone was either a couple or married or, you know, or married, you know, and then just the whole divorce thing. So then I had themes of failure in my life where I was kind of Mm -hmm. letting my story and my past have a weight on who I was. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then I had to shake that. And instead of letting my story own me own my story and say, Hey, Mm -hmm. this is my life. This is what happened. And, you know, these Mm -hmm. have, these things happen to the best of us. It's a part of being a human being. We have unexpected trials that come and learning to Mm -hmm. have that compassion for Mm -hmm. others and kind of a more non-judgmental approach to the life circumstances face that are out of their control that still Mm. don't define them, whether it is having a diagnosis or um, going through depression or anxiety or divorce or Mm. what some type of loss, whatever those things Mm -hmm. are, we're not defined by those things um, and unlearning all of that. Definitely. Definitely. And if someone is struggling with that, which I'm sure many and if not most have had some of those thoughts, whether it's shame or holding on to a lot of the weight that they've experienced in the past or the thoughts of like, what are people going to think of me and who they view me as? Like, what are some steps that you often, you know, tell people or help people through to heal through that? Yeah, I think that the first, I think it's really great to just 
write out your story if you can. Mm -hmm. I think it's really helpful to just, you know, these are the point, these are the things that I've been through. One, it's really cool to see how much you've been through and how much you overcame because it felt impossible at the time or it felt like you weren't going to get through those things, but you're here, you're surviving and you've survived 100% of your trials. And I think that was always a confidence booster for me in the end to go, okay, I have gone through all of these things. You know, God has given me the grace to make it through those things. So I believe he's giving me the continued grace to go through whatever I may face in the future and realizing that you're more adaptable than you think you are. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's really important to get it to ground yourself in safe community, right? To ground Mm -hmm. yourself around safe people who you can completely be yourself around, who you completely share your story with that are not going to be judgmental, that are going to speak life into you and speak into your identity and speak truth into you in spite of what's happened. I think that was really helpful because sometimes you can't see yourself um, Mm -hmm. when something, when you've gone through something terrible Mm -hmm. and you just, you kind of invert it into feeling like something's wrong with you yeah, um, right. when really it's not, it's just life. <laughs> and these, and things, ha- these things happen, depression happens, anxiety happens, you know, life losses mm-hmm. happen. Um, and so having those people around you who say, Hey, like, I see you, I know who you are. You're still this human yeah. being who just went through this thing. You are not the thing, right? You are not your struggle. You are not what happened to you. You are a human being who went through an experience. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. are Brittany, you are a, a April who mm-hmm. still April who just experienced this thing, mm-hmm. you know? And so right. I think having those people are very important um, because there yeah. are going to be times where you may not see yourself clearly and you may not yeah. see your identity <laughs> clearly. So you need those people to speak that truth back into you and just boost you up. And that's what, that's what we're here for. That's what relationships are for. That's what community (laughs) is for, you know? And if you are in a community that's not doing that and they're making you feel worse and they're Mm -hmm. using like spiritually bypassing phrases or shame-based phrases Mm -hmm. that are making you feel worse, like get away from that or create better boundaries (laughs) because that's not healthy. Um, especially when you're already trying to deconstruct what you're going through. Mm. Um, so definitely just like looking back on your story and realizing the faithfulness of God and your ability to adapt Mm. is really great. Being around people who speak identity and life back Mm. into you is really great. Um, yeah, I think those are just two kind of more practical things to do and just practicing preaching the truth to yourself, um, Mm. regularly because there are going to be times (laughs) when there aren't people around and it's just you and your thoughts and you have to learn how to either journal or practice preaching to yourself, like, no, Mm -hmm. I am this, I am that, like even writing down some strengths Mm -hmm. are really great, some strong qualities or things that you do have the ability to do, um, Mm -hmm. to bring some balance. Cause we tend to just be hyper negative when Mm -hmm. we're feeling shame and failure. Uh, we, we lean toward being more hyper negative. We're in this bias in our mind, like this cognitive bias. And so just again, bringing light to those those positives, mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to help balance that out because right exactly. now when we're in that state, we're just not seeing things clearly. We're only seeing them one way, which is right. probably like we're defected yeah. and low and shameful. Mm. And that's just not, the, that's not the whole picture. That's not the true story, you know? Totally. And, and it ties into like having a community where like, we can't just counsel our own selves. We need the counseling of others because we may be thinking those thoughts and it's like, yeah, but those thoughts aren't true. You need other people to speak 
life into you, like you were saying, and um, really tell you the truth of like what God thinks of you and, you know, how you have a purpose here on earth. And it's not necessarily that negative aspect or um, outlook that you're thinking with your mind. And mindset is so huge. It's crazy how it just, yeah, I had a mentor. I had a mentor at the time. I actually signed up for this little mentorship thing at church, at this church I was at, just to have someone else there to walk with. Um, And it was funny because after I was like, after my divorce and I was like a single mom and I was just in the mix of feeling broken down and feeling insecure because all these things had happened and feeling shame. I remember just Mm -hmm. having these feelings and they're lies, right? They're lies painted by fear and doubt that shape your thoughts. And saying to my mentor things mm-hmm. like, I feel like, you know, I'm who's gonna, you know, take on me and a child. Mm-hmm. I'm never gonna find another good relationship again. Or I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, all these things, you know, yeah, I, just all, all the lies. I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And she was just like, first of all, Brittany, she was mm-hmm. like, You are a beautiful young woman. Someone mm-hmm. is going to, you know, someone is gonna be happy mm-hmm. to be with you at some point in the yeah. future. You have a lot of things going. Mm-hmm. You know, you're very smart. You're going through school. You've overcome a lot lot compared to a lot of people. You're go- like she just had to like really speak things back into me because all my thoughts were just like mm-hmm. shame, fear, doubt, lies. Like that's yep. all they were. Just clouds your brain. Yeah. Just everything. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, like none of those things were true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm okay, in a wonderful three-year relationship. Yeah. I'm in a wonderful three-year oh. relationship right now. And we've been able to blend very beautifully and we're looking at the future at marriage. And mm. it's just like, yeah, That's it's incredible. just like none of those things were true at all. There and is it, someone else. Yeah. And it, and it shows that like, you know, you can get through those tough times and look at where you are now and how you can help others through it now because you've experienced yeah. that and you can, you know, speak life into those because you've been there and so many people have been there. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's incredible. And like thinking about, I know you've spoke a lot about how our body is a temple and many people think, yeah. oh, you know, to treat our body well in regards to what we eat and everything, but it has a lot to do with mental health as well. Yes. I, I like to, when, it's funny. Cause I think in the, in the Christian world, when we read your body is a temple, we're mm-hmm. always thinking about our physical body, which it yeah. is absolutely. Totally. Um, but also that includes our mind. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, a lot of times we think the mind is this existential place that's just <laughs> drifting somewhere above our heads uh, in this unmaterial place. But our brain, <laughs> our brain is a physical organ. We have neurochemicals, we have neurotransmitters, we have hormones, as you know. We have all these very physical things that contribute to our mind and our mood and even our personality and behaviors. So yeah. that are very physical. Um, but even just the idea of our mind is a temple mm-hmm. too, because every thing we see the world through our thoughts mm-hmm. like our thoughts literally shape our reality about ourselves about god about people around us and about the world and the life events that we're experiencing so if we're not taking care of our minds everything else becomes distorted like our relationships yeah. become distorted our views about ourselves and thoughts about ourselves mm-hmm. and even our relationship with god becomes distorted when it comes to mm-hmm. our faith you know, um, about what we actually believe to be true about right. how he created us and who we are. And if he's really there, you know, yeah. during our times of trials mm. and when we're in that being tested by that fire, as James mm-hmm. talks about. So right. it's, yeah. so it's, um, 
so yeah, so it's like we want to take care of our our mind and like you said earlier, very holistically. I'm just a huge believer of holistic care when it comes to mental health because it all ties in together. Something mm. I always advocate is that we are biopsycho social spiritual beings. Mm. So all of these things make up our being, right? The biological side, the psychological side, mm. which is our mental framework and our thoughts and automatic thought patterns, the social mm. thought side, which we kind of just talked about. We are created for community. We are created for healthy relationships and attachments and this in the spiritual side. Um, and so all of those really, there are so many dynamics that make up a human being and it's all of those things. And you see it in scripture, you know, when Jesus says to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, Mm -hmm. you know, what is the heart? It's the seat of your will and your emotions, right? With all your mind, with all your strength. He says, with all your strength, Mm -hmm. that's your physicality. Like, like, God knows this. God knows mm. of all the parts that make up yeah. who we are. He created yeah. it that way. So it should matter to us to mm. tune into all of these dynamics and want right. to care for them as best we can too. I love how you're able to just back up, you know, all aspects and like the holistic approach with scripture. And it just shows right there, like, this is how we can like optimize ourselves so that we can serve better. And yeah. God put it right there in the word for us to like use and you know why yeah. wouldn't we use that and if we're not then obviously like we're gonna have some things that are out of whack and we're right. perfect beings so obviously we're always gonna have something that's not necessarily going right and right. Um, but just holding on to like Christ through that as well hmm. absolutely and it can be that's the whole point is that it can be better right so yeah. when we're talking about mental health really the issue is the level of severity and functionality. So if someone is struggling with depression or anxiety to a point that it's debilitating to the point that Mm -hmm. say you're having panic attacks all the time and you can't work or you can't get out of bed or you can't, you don't enjoy doing the things that you usually do. You Mm -hmm. just feel no joy in purposeless purposeness out of life. Um, Mm -hmm. all of these things, right. If your life is just feeling totally debilitated and you are not yourself, Mm -hmm. well then, it's really important to get help and to seek yeah. treatment. One, because it could be something physical. It could be something with the neurochemicals in your brain or the hormones mm-hmm. in your body or something like your thyroid being hyperactive mm-hmm. or underactive, which metabolizes our energy. And that can play a role in mm-hmm. if you're feeling under energy and feeling depressive symptoms or over-energized and feeling panic and anxiety symptoms, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So if you're feeling severely impaired, then um, it's really important to, to to get help for that and to seek treatment for that because the whole point is that your life could look different. It could look entirely. Mm. You don't have to be that way. Like you don't have to feel that way. You don't have to feel totally mm. stuck all the time. You don't have mm. to feel totally depressed and disabled and paralyzed all the time or numb. Like you can't feel anything out mm. of life. You don't have to feel anxiety all in on edge all the time. Um, that's why we pay attention to these things. That's why we work on these things because there is now evidence-based treatments that can literally get you to another side of it, to where it is more manageable and it is functional, you know, Mm. and this happens for a lot of people. Actually, most people start feeling better just after like a few weeks of going to therapy or treatment. They start seeing some changes. So that's why we bring this up is because you can see a different side of your life. Like you can, things can look different. Things can feel different. You can move through life differently with the right help and you don't have to be stuck all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's why we want to take care of these things because there is hope. Um, And that's, that's why I'm so passionate about it and encourage it because I know that people, um, 
can literally change their lives. It might not be overnight. Mm. It might not be easy. It doesn't mean that we'll never have problems again, or we'll never face anxiety or depression or whatever else again, but it does mean that we can move through it differently and we can have a better understanding and we can know how to combat it differently or be preventative, Mm. um, from it happening more often or more severely in our lives. Um, so that's I can just tell you have just so much passion for this and I just love it I love the fire behind it and it is such a powerful (laughs) message I'm sure like I related to what you just said and I know many others will where it's like you don't have to feel that way and you can take responsibility over your health and you can heal and through the whole process so that you can eventually then pour into others and serve others better too and just taking care of yourself as a temple it's it is attainable and knowing that it's like, hold on to that hope for sure. Yes. That's so. <laughs> so we, before we start to wrap things up, I would love to know just a little bit about how you and the relationship you have, like how you tie mental health into a relationship, whether it's marriage or whether um, it's a boyfriend or girlfriend situation. I would love to know a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I like kind of have to think about this one. Well, mm-hmm. I think what was really important for my relationship So again, I came out of a divorce in like my early twenties. So I also just came out of a lot of witnessing a lot of unhealthy relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents are wonderful people, but they did end up getting divorced Mm -hmm. and they ended up in unhealthy relationships following that, that were pretty much physically or verbally and psychologically Mm -hmm. um, abusive. And so I just saw a lot of unhealthy, that's all I saw pretty much were Mm -hmm. unhealthy relationships that broke down, that didn't work, that were toxic in the end. Um, And then after that, I was in a cycle of unhealthy and toxic relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, in my late teens and my actually, yeah, mostly my teens. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, And then I ended up in my relationship with my son's dad, which um, Mm -hmm. I try not to exploit that too much because he is his dad, but it was unhealthy and it was very toxic. And so, um, so as far as my relationship now goes, I am so appreciative of all the work I did before I got into this relationship of, I remember there was a time when I literally journaled about, I listed every single relationship I have been in and Mm -hmm. all of the things that went wrong, all the things Mm -hmm. that were toxic about it and all the red flags that I overlooked Mm -hmm. and I started seeing patterns, right? Um, mm-hmm. that I was just falling back into this cycle of unhealthy and toxic mm-hmm. relationships because it was kind of my norm, you know? Right. Um, so when it comes to the mental health of my relationship now mm-hmm. and it doing really well, I, I mean, it's the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. It's a very mm-hmm. mature adult, effective, just open communication, yeah. just very joyful relationship. And I think it's because of all the work I did on my mental health before I entered the relationship, Mm -hmm. I really took some time to deal with myself and to Mm -hmm. focus on myself and to look at my patterns and to learn how to, especially in the beginning of the relationship, Mm -hmm. when if something came up that felt triggering to pause and Mm -hmm. look at myself first or journal through some things, get to know what my Mm -hmm. triggers are. um, And And that was really helpful for me. I bet. Because I had learned myself and my own mental health and my triggers and my past and my cycles, that that enabled me with the understanding and the awareness Hmm. of how to move forward in my next relationship in a healthier way. So Hmm. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to say like it's perfect, <laughs> perfect, perfect, but I've, it's pretty perfect. Like we don't really yeah. have a ton of issues. Um, we don't really fight, you know, we might disagree and then we communicate about mm-hmm. it and we get on the same page pretty effectively, pretty efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, it shows like you can talk through things versus like storing it away and, exactly. and all of a sudden it arises and like, oh, we have a problem now. And just that right. constant communication, it sounds like is super key. Yeah. We're not exploding everywhere, being dismissive, mm-hmm. which neither of us have explosive personalities. Um, yeah. But the thing is with relationships is that you're going to take you into every relationship you go into. Mm-hmm. So if you are struggling heavily with trauma or attachment issues or abandonment issues or insecurity issues that are very deeply seated, mm-hmm. um, you know, no matter how great the other person is that you get with, if you are carrying those issues within yourself, you're going to start projecting things through those issues. And so yeah. you're going to carry those into each and every relationship. Mm-hmm. So it's really important to deal with ourselves <laughs> um, and understand that, that yeah. sometimes it's not about, oh, if I just find the perfect relationship, I'll be happy. I think even having that mentality shows that we're trying to fill a void that we haven't come to with ourselves yet. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's another uh, reason it's so important to work on your mental health because um, yeah. if you want to be better about dealing with those issues or if you don't want that to be something that's thrown onto the relationship, and I hate to say it that way because we're always going to have issues yeah. that we yeah. take into a relationship <laughs> that we just learn to work through. Like, like nobody oh, goes into- didn't realize I have that bag sitting there of baggage. <laughs> exactly. Like we're always going to take some level of issues into it. Like we always, we're human. But, yeah. um, but if it's at a point where it makes relationships really volatile or it makes them really like really extreme ups and downs or it makes relationships explosive, like these insecurities, these anxieties, these triggers, then we want to work on those things. Um, mm. That when we get into a relationship, it is more self-aware and it is more communication based and it is um, and it is less, maybe less turbulent. Um, totally. it's, it's possible. Yeah. And and this is crazy because I have a really close friend of mine who literally, it's like, you just said the conversation she's told me before over again, because like, she really took a lot of steps to heal like her childhood and what she grew up with. And then toxic relationships that she may have had that were not necessarily honoring God. And like, she's like, I want to heal in as much of that as possible so that when I get in a relationship, I did the heavy work and I did that work. So I don't have to bring it into the relationship now and load it all on this new person in my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so funny because me and my boyfriend joke, like it's been three years now and it's been really great. And it's been, first of all, we're always like, it's been the, this has been the easiest three years. Like, I didn't know that it could be so this awesome. easy compared to our past relationships. Um, we're just like, you know, and that's not to say it's always been perfect, but yeah, like right exactly. now we're just like, wow. Like, okay. um, but we, yeah, it works and it works really well. And we joke though, but we're like, it's, it's so about timing because mm. I'm always like, oh, but if you would have met me like, you know, five, <laughs> six years before this relationship. And he's like, yeah, if you would have met me like five, uh. six years before this relationship, it would have looked like an entirely different relationship. Mm. We would have been different people. We would have handled problems differently. Like, ev- like the relationship yeah. would look totally different if we got together pre maturing, pre doing the work, pre, you know, all of those yeah. things. 
processing our past decisions and issues, like that relationship could have been just as toxic mm. as the rest right. if right. we met at the wrong time that was like before mm. then. So we're always like, we're so grateful because we're just like part of like part of the reason this works is because of timing, because we met mm. each other and came together after we kind of matured from past relationships mm. and learned and did the work and all of that, that makes it what it is today. So I guess for anyone who is dating or is single or is looking and it's like thinking about that, you will not regret doing that work. It is going to impact your next relationship and just focusing on that because ourselves, like we are a lifelong project. There's always something that we can work on with ourselves or build or develop with ourselves, whether it is like health, nutrition, mental health, fitness, whatever it is. I got mm-hmm. really excited about working on myself and that mm-hmm. was when I met my boyfriend. And I know wow. that's so cliche to say, like it yeah. was when I wasn't focused on guys <laughs> and then I met the guy, like, you know. <laughs> and there he was. <laughs> I mean, yeah, put yourself, if you're looking. you know nothing's wrong with putting yourself out there either you know doing a little (laughs) both but um but again that's not what's driving us it's like yeah yeah it's helpful (laughs) you're so fun I just love this conversation it's just making me so excited (laughs) this is great so before we like lean into the rapid fire questions I can't wait like I know the best part of it all do you have any key takeaways for listeners Oh man, I know we talked about so much. I would just say, I I would just say that um, it's never, it's never too early to start doing the work on yourself Mm -hmm. or getting the help that you need. And you don't necessarily have to be at, in a crisis mm-hmm. to deal with your mental health. I think that mm-hmm. that's what people think. Like, well, so I'm still important. functional. I'm having anxiety every day, but I'm still <laughs> functioning. Like, you know, I'm depressed and I can't do much, but I'm still living. And it's just like, no, like, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have to wait till you're in crisis or you don't have to live on edge. Like everything we're saying, you know, to start addressing some of these issues, um, mm-hmm. whether it is, you know, seeing a therapist or seeing a counselor or even just things like getting involved in social support groups. Like, you know, I know churches have sometimes like celebrate recovery or, you know, just like different support groups to be in small groups, find your community. Um, even when you talk a lot about nutrition and eating well, and that has a lot to do with your brain health, which powers Mm -hmm. your mood and your thinking. So, you know, I would say, definitely lean in to doing the work for your mind, you know, because your mind runs your life, Mm -hmm. your mind runs (laughs) your life. So it is a priority. (laughs) It's a priority. Um, and, and yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. just, and you're never going to regret that. Yeah. Just take the steps to heal yourself. I mean, that's such an important message where, you know, people don't think to heal their mental health and they, they can just keep going through life. And like one thing that you really had a strong message about was, you know, taking those steps to heal your mind so that you can live intentionally and serve others better. And, um, and you did the work too. So it's like, 
from experience. Yeah. Brittany has done it. So oh my God. Still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and especially for my high functioning people, I have to say this, mm. like my people who are high, because my therapist told me this a while ago, my old therapist who was like, mm. okay, so you're a high functioning client, right? <laughs> so high functioning people, we're usually like the helpers, we're the doers, we're the mm. producers. Um, we will keep going even if like we're down to a toe, like in the rest of our body is just like, you know, just like, <laughs> like even if we're down to the last toe, along. <laughs> exactly. We're going to keep dragging and scrapping along. You know, um, we were talking earlier about shame and our identity being wrapped up in what we're doing. And so I just wanted to say like, it is okay to take the time to heal that time is purposeful. If that means stepping back, if that means pausing, if that means pausing long enough to realign on certain things or um, not being the person that's doing for a while mm-hmm. not being the person that's every, that's something to everyone all the time mm-hmm. and, and pausing on that to realign your life. Like that is, you are not a failure. If you mm-hmm. do have, you know, a moment where you need to kind of deconstruct and break yeah. down and yeah. uh, get the help. Um, mm-hmm. You are not a failure for that. You are not weak for that. You are not a machine. You are a human being mm-hmm. with real emotions and a brain <laughs> and a body that gets exhausted and that can break down, especially mm-hmm. under chronic stress. Um, like that is just a physical yeah. factor. So I just so wanted to encourage like, it is okay to pause. It is okay to have a rhythm of rest um, mm-hmm. and you are not your doing. Um, your worth is not in your doing, it's in your being. So no matter what, when you're having a bad day, you're still worthy. You still belong. When you're not doing something for everyone, you're still worthy. You still belong. When you're not at a 100% level of productivity and you didn't get everything done on your to-do list, you're still worthy. You still belong, you know, mm-hmm. um, just really ingraining that into those of us who are high functioning and maybe even continue to function, even though we are dealing with you know, grief or sadness or deep loss in our hearts or yeah. anxiety. And we're having those symptoms, um, to just, uh, prioritize. Cause there's only mm. one of you, the world will keep going on, but there is only one of you. Mm. Um, and so it's important to prioritize that. So good. Wow, man. <laughs> there's just so much we could dive into and you, you showed the passion, you've shown the knowledge and I just, I appreciate it so much. <laughs> So now diving into really intense questions. <laughs> All right. Um, so who is the most influential woman or who was the most influential woman in your life? Oh my gosh. That's such a big question. Um, I'm just going to say my aunt Penny. She's mm. actually not with us anymore. She passed mm. away from breast cancer. Um, sorry. That's like really sad, but, um, but yeah, she is, I know I just made that go down really fast, but she, <laughs> she really was, you know, uh, the most influential person in my life, just mm. a really strong woman of faith. And even though she was going through things, even though she was going through her battle with breast cancer, she was still just a person who was compassionate, who was very leaned into herself and her emotions and things she was going through. Um, and was just, I don't know, very loving to those around her. I, she was a very direct communicator that was honest. And I just, there were just so many qualities about her that I admire that I feel like really have played into who I am today. She was kind of like a second mom, even though she was an aunt, she was one of those that was like another mom Mm -hmm. to me. So yeah, she just, yeah, her whole, who she was just really inspired me. Oh, that's, that's incredible. All right. What is your favorite food? Oh my gosh. So like I said earlier, I was really raised on an American diet as a girl, just, you know, very American. And so 
being older now, my boyfriend actually grew up eating a variety of foods from different cultures mm, that he's introduced me that. to. So yeah. now I like love sushi. And now I'm oh. like, I can't believe I grew up not eating sushi <laughs> ever. <laughs> like, oh, like, again, I'm with you there. So American, you know? <laughs> so it's just like, you know, sushi. Now I'm in love with Thai food. Mm. You know, always could do some Italian. Speak, but yes. <laughs> yes. I'm just loving right now Thai food, sushi, mm. like more like Asian a cuisine. wide range of diversity. And yeah. yes, yeah. I'm with you there. Go back to my parents. I was like, why didn't you guys expose <laughs> other cultural dishes? Like what is happening? <laughs> like, why did you intentionally leave this out of my life? <laughs> Because they didn't explore stuff as much. Yeah. Now my son, now I do it with my son. So now he's experiencing mm. other diversities of food. That's but it took awesome. my boyfriend bringing me out and me bringing my son out. So anyway, oh, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I love it. You're a foodie and I am too. So absolutely, uh, we can just relate there. Yeah. Um, I feel like this will be an interesting one. Are you a past, present, or future thinker? Oh my gosh. I'm very much a future thinker. And that can be both good and bad. It's good because <laughs> I'm always thinking ahead. So like mm-hmm. I knew exactly what I needed to do to like get into UCLA and I got in, which was mm. crazy. That's amazing. <laughs> um, Congratulations. To that. Thank you. Yeah. It's like yeah. I do school in like the world and like the oh, country. So it's, it was really incredible. competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I thought I was very much thinking ahead about, okay, what I was going to have, you know, you know, school-wise prepared and yeah. all of this. Um, And even for the PhD program, like I'm constantly thinking about about what I need now to get in then all of Mm -hmm. that. So all of that, very forward thinking, but then the the bad side is that if I'm going through something or something detrimental in my life Mm -hmm. um, or something has happened that's just really sad or loss or something, I think forward too quickly and Mm -hmm. I don't take the time. I have to force myself to pause and tune mm-hmm. into what's going on with me and mm-hmm. to not bypass it because my tendency is to bypass things and to start mm-hmm. thinking about the next step or to intellectualize things. Okay. So I am sometimes too forward thinking <laughs> and I've yeah. learned that about myself. So yeah. So yeah. I, I've learned to cue myself to slow down when something has happened to me that's affected <laughs> me to actually deal with it and be in yeah. tune with it. So important to do that. I I have to pause and do the same thing as well yeah. because I can often be like two steps ahead of myself where it's like, yeah, I need to actually take that first step. Like overthinking. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Totally. Um, your favorite travel destination or dream destination? Oh gosh. I really want to go to Paris. I know it's mm-hmm. like, but I do. <laughs> I maybe I just saw Emily in Paris. Like <laughs> Um, and she, there were just all these sites and different foods oh. I just want to try. So I would love to go to Paris. I'd love to go to Venice. Um, I'd go to Italy, yes. the Amalfi coast. Um, I know oh. people can't see, but I have like photos up hanging on my, the aesthetic. Let me tell you everyone right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would love to, uh, I'd love to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe do more of a Europe European trip. Um, That'd be amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I'd be down for sure. (laughs) Yes. And then if you had unlimited funds, is are there any health gadgets or tools that you would love to buy? Oh, that I'd love to buy like that already exist. And yeah, or maybe like you can totally take this question however you want it. If there's something like, that's like not even there, 
Yeah, if you could create one even, like. (laughs) This is so nerdy, but, like, I wish that we had our own, like, brain scanners. Oh, (laughs) yes. The type of handheld where we, like, hovered (laughs) over our heads, and it scans our brains, and it lets us know when we're either deficient on something or something's, like, Oh, my gosh. I love that. It's just, like, you're deficient in you know, serotonin or you're yeah. deficient in oh. vitamin, whatever, or like your brain is hyperactive. You need to lay down yes. or whatever, like something yeah. that just allows us to like what's that going on brilliant. in our brain so we can orient ourselves accordingly <laughs> to help ourselves. <laughs> I love that. I'm literally like, that needs to be created because that's yeah. a real thing. You like some people yeah. obviously have more like dopamine, serotonin and all that running through their brain. And some people like just don't and it's like wow that would be yeah then they won't feel like something's wrong with them like no there's actually something physically going on my brain that I can help and I mean obviously because brain scans can be so expensive and not everyone's insurance covers it and all Mm -hmm. of that and you know when it comes to mental health it's like the only practice where we try to fix the organ we're not dealing we're not seeing looking Mm -hmm. at yeah like you know if you go to a heart doctor they're going to look at your heart. If you go to like a gastroenterologist, they're going to look at your gut. But if you go, if you're having mental health challenges, a lot of times these are (laughs) psychological symptoms that they're diagnosing by, but maybe have not even looked at your brain a lot Mm -hmm. of times to see what's going on with the brain. So Mm -hmm. I would just love for more access to, um, for people to see what's going on inside their actual Mm -hmm. physical organ, their brain. Yeah. Stay tuned, everybody. Brittany will be coming out with the next <laughs> latest invention. Real quick. <laughs> yeah, like, well, let's get on in. <laughs> uh, awesome. It's been such a pleasure. So is there any way that listeners could connect with you? Are you on social media? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. I'm having a lot of fun on there. I've been like <laughs> doing fun reels lately. Love it. I'm in TikToks. Uh, I don't know how many people are on there. I just went down the deep rabbit hole of TikTok oh, and really man. got into that. So, You're like, um, oh, dang. <laughs> oh, so fun. So yeah, I'm on Instagram at Brittany Moses. I'm on Twitter at Brittany underscore Moses. I'm on, if you go to BrittanyMoses.com, my website, that's kind of yes. going to house everything. From, Great blog. Let me um, tell you too. <laughs> thank you. From the mm-hmm. blog to my socials. And then I have the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast, mm-hmm. which um, is where I have conversations at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health with both okay. professionals like clinicians, psychologists, psychiatrists, mm-hmm. researchers, uh, therapists, and the like, but also- mm-hmm people with lived experience. So people on the other side of the table who have, you know, been in a hospitalized or have dealt with anxiety or dealt with grief or in, so having both sides of the conversation. Mm. So that's been really, really amazing. Amazing. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Brittany. I'm sure your listeners are going to absolutely just fall in love with you because you have so much to give and offer. And I'm just excited to see where you're going to go because you have the passion and the drive and people better watch out because you're going to be making oh. <laughs> I just need to like record you saying that and take that encourage with me oh. everywhere. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brittany. Thanks. Better Health with April offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.